When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Dana Oliva with Marketatomy LLC, and we are here with Sandra Dorsey, and we are Charged Up Studio. We are going to continue our political conversation that we had the last session. Sandra, are you ready? I am ready today, and I've always been ready for this time. This session, we wanted to kind of get into a little bit more about what happened during our latest presidential debate, and let's talk about the issues more than the actual politicians. Let's, let's first talk about the wage, the increase in wage. And I know that Biden is one that is definitely in for the increase in wage. How does Trump feel about that? Well, Trump is a job creator. You know, so Trump is a job creator. So he's always going to talk about the economy and the impact that it's going to have on businesses. So are you as a small business owner? And of course, you know, I am an avid supporter and not because I, I, you know, he won my vote. I was not, I didn't vote Republican for two cycles, two presidential cycles. And so I, he is trying to stabilize the economy. And he talks about, you know, if you go back before COVID, look at the economy, look at her numbers, you know, look at the stock market, you know, and, and, and Biden says, well, people in middle America don't care about the stock market. And of course, we're not going to talk about the politician. Well, that is a good point that he made. You know, people in the middle of America do not care. If you have a small convenience store in the middle of America, you're not thinking about, you know, what, how the stock market is doing. You're thinking about how consumption is doing because you want people to come and consume. If you have a small gas station, you know, in the middle of America, I travel all the time to Georgia, which is where I go to on my meditation retreats, and I get to see Southern part of the United States. And this is where I get my good grits, you know, but then, you know, those people are not worried about the stock market, you know, and it's interesting. I come out of my meditation retreat and I'm like, what's the news? What's happening? You know, I was, I was there for 30 days back right before COVID and I couldn't wait to go to the gas station because I was like, what's the news? And they were like, well, we don't listen to the news. We're like, we don't know what's going on. You know, they care about their own backyard, their own environment. You know, of course, they will pay attention to certain things, but they don't, they're not glued to the TV like people who have 401ks for, you know, and who have vested interest. So as far as president, going back to your um, question about how President Trump feels about the wave, he, he feels that we definitely needs room for improvement, but it cannot be drastic. It needs to be gradual. It cannot be, it cannot jump from one point to another because, you know, you're not taking into consideration the small business owner who has to pay those wages. They have to gradually build up. It's like, you know, 
a, a, a person who's buying a house, you know, they went from uh, owning a condo for 25000 I can't remember last time I, I found a condo for 25000 but that's just an example, <laughs> to buying a $2.5 million property. You know, that can happen. You win the lotto. But, you know, unless they get, you know, small businesses have the proper measures in place without digging to their reserves, because you want, and we always encourage you on the show, you know, to do, to have common sense and financial sense as well, because you, just because the government says it doesn't mean you're going to have to break your bank to do it, but be prepared. So Donald Trump says we need to have a strong business in place before we can make those leaps you know, because we do want people to increase their quality of life, which is what they're trying to do. But also this, this cannot happen overnight. This needs to well, be a process. And, and, and I fully agree with you as a business owner myself, we have to take into consideration, you know, yeah, it's an increase in wage that, that minimum wage workers could use. Okay. But what is the purpose behind this wage increase? Is it to strengthen the earning potential so that they will give back to the GDP? Or is it strictly to raise them above poverty? It's a bit of both, actually. It's probably a mixed one. But for the, the people who are pushing that rhetoric, it's just to raise their profile. I know we're not going to talk about the politics. Yeah, no, but- no, no, no. Yeah, and, and, and I agree, you know, as far as the people who are pushing it and, and it's a popularity contest, really, when you think about it, you know. Absolutely. I've done, I've done a lot of work down in Brazil, and in Brazil, Every single person is required by law to vote. It's not a privilege per se. It's a requirement in Brazil. And when you think about Brazil is um, probably uh, a nice 30, 70% split between the affluent and the poverty. When you look at the favelas and things like that, that's where the, the bulk of Brazilians live is below the poverty line. So when they're required by law to vote, if they're 18 years or older, okay, naturally, they're going to be voting for the person who's going to make their lives better. Absolutely. Okay. Or who says they're going to make their lives better. Exactly. exactly. Right. And we don't want to fall into a situation here where we are voting on a popularity contest Mm -hmm. without having a solid plan in place. And I don't want to be voting for a wage increase that's going to end up ruining businesses because they can't afford to do this, or it's going to decrease the morale of other employees because they're at a level and these minimum wage increase employees are moving closely to their level and they're not moving up. You know what I'm saying? The morale of employees. Absolutely. Well, you know, I want to tie that in because I've always tied the increase in in, in the minimum wage to healthcare because it falls on the back of the, of the business owner. And, you know, Biden, you know, and Biden is advocating right now for Obamacare, which requires that employers pay for their, um, for their employees, which is a great, great idea in, in theory. Mm-hmm. And, but in reality, you know, as you were saying, we're both small business owners. So in reality, you know, how realistic is it? Because what he's advocating for is Obamacare with something called a public option. 
that's the term I was looking for previously. And it's currently saying that it's going to be offering an expansion of existing public programs. It's, and it's going to be called Biden Care. So, you know, it, it, all these things in theory, you know, these socialized systems in theory are really good, but they're never free. So as a small business owner, we want to, to look at it from this, from this angle. So you're going to have to increase your minimum wage. You're going to be mandated to pay more taxes. You know, and there's, there, it's rumored that they could go as much as 50 to 70% because the corporations, they're saying, because technically small business or not, you're a corporation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, uh, L, if you're uh, uh, S Corp or LLC, you're a corporation. They don't, they don't care about the size, mm-hmm. but they do, what they do care is the structure. So unless you're like a sole proprietor, then um, you may be immune to some of these, some mandates, but who's paying, you're going to have to pay. So if it's, if it's a, a sort of a hybrid um, system where the government pays for some of the healthcare, and then you are, you, you have another form added to that of Obamacare, where as a business owner, you are mandated to provide healthcare. So your taxes are going to increase, and then you're going to have to pay for healthcare for your employees too. And then three, you're gonna, um, you're gonna increase the minimum wage. So where does that leave you? That I mean, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And of course, I applaud them for wanting to take care of people. But in essence, you're really not taking care of people. You're creating dependence on the government. And because- and, and that is, in and I hate to say this, but that is the democratic mindset. The democratic Absolutely. mindset is the personal governmental handouts for everything. And I'm not against government helping out, but there has to be a plan. There has to be a plan for if somebody is on welfare, what is that plan to get them off of welfare? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So that's the thing, um, because Democratic Party's platform revolves around entitlements. And one of the things that Donald Trump talked about yesterday, President Trump talks about that you know, Biden proposed anything that Biden had proposed regarding healthcare would destroy Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security to you know two popular program, which is you know somewhat government programs as well, but still give you a you know because I know I remember for um after Enron if you remember the big debacle with Enron. Mm-hmm. A lot of people lost their 401k and all right. they had to deal, right. you know, they had their social security. That's the only safety net that they had. So if these big Biden care, Obamacare take over and they destroy social security and Medicare because they are draining the reserves of the government, what would that look like for a small business owner? We have to take that into consideration. So, right. you know, that leads me back to safety to another topic that you and I, we've had conversation about. So what are your thoughts about, you know, how they tie into border security? Oh, it was, it was all all over the place. It was all um, over the place. So there are two things here, as far as safety. We're talking about, we have race in America and national security, right? So the, it seems that those two have been tied together because national security includes border security. Right. Because one of the points that were made is, you know, back to 9-11, some of the people that came into the country were through the border. Right. And so, um, but, you know, they have sort of crafted this message that if you want to close the border, then you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And you are not, you don't care about people's plights and 
I have traveled all over the world coming in out of this country. Every time I come into the United States, back to my country, um, which is home to me, I think about, my goodness, how do we still have homeless people here? How do we have not the, how do we not have American people cared for? And there is that, so when we're talking about security, we have to think about the homeless population and how we're caring for those people and talking about Trump lockdown because of COVID. Right. And, and he banned- it originally, it originally started just with China, okay? But then it expanded into Europe as far as the lockdown. And what he did, I think, was correct, okay? We had to stop and close those borders. Oh, so- I know what he, one of the things that, on that topic, thank you for yeah. reminding me. One of the things, were you gonna, were gonna say something? I didn't mean no, to- No, I was gonna say, we had to close our borders in order to get control of the virus here. Absolutely. The and other thing on national security that he talked about, the program called Catch and Release. Catch and Release is a program when somebody comes through the border with undocumented, I don't like to use the word illegal alien, but let's call them they undocumented. Yeah. They put, throw them into the justice system and they just release them. And they say, come back to court. Who does that? I no, know. No, 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 no. I mean, really. No. And Biden was like, well, they are good, upstanding. Well, I'm paraphrasing, but he was advocating for them. You know, I'm sure they are good people. But let me tell you, those people came with an intention of staying in the United States. Yeah. That's the plan. So putting them through the justice system is not going to be an effective, you know, a strategy. So Trump was like, well, 90% of them are not, are not necessarily the best. There are people who come across with, you know, with very negative agendas for the United States. This catch and release needed to go away because you can't release people, but then you don't have the space to store, to, to, to house people who are undocumented because they need to go back to their country. And so the, the other th- point was that was made was about family separation. So when these people, a lot of them are coyotes, uh, and a coyote is, you can Google it, I'm not an expert, is someone who is paid to bring families, kids across. Some of these coyotes use kids as sort of props Mules. to make their profile look good at the border so they can cross. Right. Yeah. So when these kids are found with these people, or not necessarily their parents, because they're like, they all come with their parents. That's not true. Not all of them come with their parents. Some come with their parents, but not all. So they have to put these kids somewhere. The United States, they can't even take care. The United States is now barely taking care of their, it, its own children. Right. There is a poverty epidemic in this country, especially now with COVID families with the uh, opioid epidemic it's it's in the unemployment putting kids um in a special facility is definitely necessary until they can figure out what to do with the parents so biden talks about well you put them in cage and i wanted to reach out in the television and i'm i have a smile on my face because you can't see me i am smiling so that was one one of the points where i was just like i've had enough because i know Clinton and Obama are the ones that implemented that policy to put right. these people in, in jail. Let's just, they keep calling it cages. It's like, it's a jailed system, right? Mm-hmm. It's housing. And Trump inherited that, that system. So Trump, it's being, no one knew about it. Those photos that were shown because they said Trump has them in cages, those are from Obama. So all these things, border security, um, national, all is intertwined with national security right. and it's intertwined with um, the topic of family separation. 
we have to make a decision. Are we here to keep this country safe? Or are we here to take care of people who are outside these borders? Because we need to stabilize this country before we can let anybody in. Yeah, and if we do let people in, we need to know who they are. So that's the point that was being argued last night. And I could go much, on. And how much of that rests on us financially as Americans? Absolutely. Okay. And we talked, we talk, Donna, tell me about, um, you know, universal health care. How can someone who's undocumented benefit from universal health care when we don't have all of our U.S. citizens right. with health care? Right. It's definitely um, unprecedented times, ladies and gentlemen. It is. And I, it requires deep thought, right. not rhetoric, deep thought as to what is right. We need to definitely have a caring disposition to help those who can't help themselves, whether right. they be in this country or outside of this country. But first and foremost, what is your priority? If you are a parent, if you are an employer, you want to think about those people who are in your immediate environment they, they they are your family if they're your employees look at it this way they are your family it's your responsibility and this is what we'll get into in our next two episodes is how do you protect your work family your remote workers your workers that are having to come into the office when we talk about raising the minimum wage we're not just talking about the poverty level employees or anything we're talking about all employees. Absolutely. And how do you keep things fair? How do you keep um, that morale of your family going when the youngest child or the poverty stricken employee is getting special treatment and you're not? So how, how do you treat these employees so they feel as though they're getting the same amount of treatment? Absolutely. And another thing that needs to be talked about and, you know, has been talking about, talked about, you know, and I tied into race relations. Right. So we can't not use race relations as part of political agenda. No, no. It has to be a social agenda. It's something that we all, you know, I personally have had those internal conversations and resolved them within myself. Right. I don't need the government telling me how to, you know, what perspective to have. You know, I've had to look at my own, and you know, thought about people and in my perspective of people because I travel the world. I'm, am I biased against someone? You know, a group of per people versus another? You know, a religious group. So these are internal dialogues. You can resolve this within yourself. You don't need the government to say you're a racist. You're not a racist because you're you're not a racist because you're black. I beg to defer. I think people who are of color, people who have a darker pigmentation can be just as racist as someone who's not. Right. So you, you should not re remove the burden from yeah. one group and place it on another. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make Trump seem like a racist. When so many Blacks have come on behalf of Trump, you know, some of the rappers, and I'm not a rapping fan person, don't, don't, I don't even, I barely know their names. But once in a while, you see the headlines saying, because it's not about race. It's about common sense, the yeah. economy, yes. right? Yes. Your pocket, your bank account, you know, the welfare of your family, the welfare of your employees. Like Donna says, you know, if they are your employees as a small business um, owner, they are actually your family. Those are people you have to look out for. And so I want to ask, though, Donna, do you think that what is, what is it going to look like after the election? Though? If we're having this rhetoric now, 
race relation, children in cages, Black Lives Matter, you know, COVID is spiking. Do you think that's, you know, if we elect, what would that look like with Joe Biden in the house? Do you think that's going to be all of a sudden gone? <laughs> is that, um, is that not, what I'm the plan? Gonna, I'm not going to get into some of the uh, conspiracy theories that we're hearing out there. Should Biden get into, uh, into office? But, you know, um, what I will get into is, is I've had a chance of looking over some of the early voting records okay, you know, that were put out by uh, University of Florida you know, and, you know, right now, Biden is ahead. He's leading. He's leading right now, but he's the first one to say that doesn't mean Trump might not win. I think he's ahead by 12 points right now is what it is. But what we're seeing here is we're seeing an exponential increase in early voting than we have in the last uh, probably eight, 12 years. I, I attribute a lot of it to COVID. Okay. A great deal of it is, you know, is because of COVID. The other part I think is also because of the fact that both presidents are heavily involved in digital marketing and social media to put out their propaganda, less on television and radio and, and, I'm writing a book right now called Social or Sociopathic, which we do get into this a little bit in that book, at the amount of change in the way that presidential elections and primaries are being conducted now okay. and the information getting out there. But yes, the numbers are um, astronomical. Uh, Three billion people on social media currently. And uh, it said in 2020, we've got 27.9 million people have already voted in the 2020 general election, as opposed to four years ago, which was 5.9 million. That's a huge increase in early elections. Now, does that mean that we're going to have more voters in total? Or is that just most of our voters are getting out early? What's that got to say about our presidential election this year? Well, that it's it's definitely um, piqued interest in the majority of the you know Americans and right. around the world. Actually, it's actually a global phenomenon. Everybody's watching and waiting. A lot of you know, it's this is going to affect. We have to keep in mind that most people who are who who are normally not mail-in voters, they are definitely doing that early voting. I think they that's what it is. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've had so many people text me and email me and call me and say, "I just want this to be over." And I think people just just want to be done. They got their mailing ballots. They just want to be done and go on with right. their lives. They have enough things. They have real issues to talk about, to think about. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, in me, I'm always, you know, because I travel so much, I never know which continent I always say, let me do mailing, you know, absentee ballot in the UK. But, um, but it's interesting this year, I just watched the ballot and I knew who I was going to vote anyway, but I just like, oh, let me just send that thing off. It was just like, I knew exactly who I was going to vote for. You know, I've been very active in this, in the local politics, but um, it, I actually wanted, I want this to be over too, because I have a backup plan in case Trump doesn't win. But um, <laughs> don't tell me you're moving back to London. I've got, I've got I'm not moving permanently. My mother's here, but. There, there's, you know, I, I, it just makes you think like, oh my goodness, what is the world going to look like? You never had to think about this. They're such, they're such polarized candidates. Right. So they are very going to be, they are. they're going to be two different worlds under leadership. They're so polarized because one is political and one isn't. Right. 
One is not a pol politician. We've never had that. We've right. never had that in, in That's why I love it. as the president, you know, Absolutely. and then the other one is, is a, a lifetime politician. Absolutely. So he's used to, um, you know, being very political as far as his opponents and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's really, if you're a small business owner and if you're concerned about where our country is going, you need to get out there and vote. You need to be able to put your voice out there, step into your power, because as a small business owner, you do have power. You are powerful. Yes. Absolutely. So you need to Without step into your power. Let's cover one more thing. We've got five more minutes. Let's talk about climate change. Yes, climate change. Let's talk yeah. about this. You know, yeah. climate is going to change everything. I mean, climate, the ch climate has been changing for billions of years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's shifting, right? Climate is shifting. You know, as population growth, you know, happens, you're going to have climate shift. And so, um, you know, they want to get rid of the cows. You know, I was a vegan for many years. I, I, I didn't, you know, I was very spiritual minded in a sense. I'm still spiritually minded, just right. different spirituality. But this, is, but this is, this is still, this is a good indication about how lobbyists can- Special interest groups. Special interest groups can manage to run a campaign. Absolutely. Overrun a campaign. Yes, climate change is extremely important, but is it more important than our own people right now? Absolutely. Okay. You know how much money Al Gore has made since his, since that film? What is it? The uh, Inconvenience Truth. Do you know how much money that man has made? And, you know, he's become more famous for that than actually the, uh, his being vice president. These people have an agenda. And you have to think about, you know, and I don't want to get political on this. I mean, it just, this last comment may have sounded very bipartisan, I mean, very uh, partisan. But that's not the intention because they are quite, you know, the, you know even here in, the Republic, in the, uh, Florida, which is a Republican governor, he's now leaning towards, you know, being um, concerned with the environment. There are, there's nothing wrong. I don't litter on the street. I'm, I'm mindful of not running, you know, the water. You can be mindful and not be sort of uh, obsessed because right. it's become, and I've heard someone say, I mean, I'm, it's not my definition, that some of these people, it's become a religion for them, right? right. Climate, climate, you know, uh, activists have made this their religion. Which is, which... I understand if that is in their heart, you know, and things like that, but to put it as a presidential um, platform to the extinction of those that are, I feel are more important. Okay. Climate change is extremely important. And we have those, those special interest groups that we can draw upon to bring awareness and everything, but to, to make this a presidential platform, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. When we've got COVID running around and we've got people who are just dying, you know, and stuff like that, not because of, of climate change, but because of issues as far as inter international interrelations. If we That's weren't correct. such an open country, you know, we probably wouldn't have gotten the COVID, but that is what we were founded on. Absolutely. Being a, a country that welcomed others and look at what it did to us. It did. And so, you know, it's interesting because Trump says, you know, I came out of the, the Paris, you know, chain. He talked about, you know, all these other um, 
countries like China and Russia and, you know, the pollution in the air in those countries. And these countries are posturing because they're like, well, look, I'm part of this climate change. But I really, are their internal policies reflective of what the document that they are signing, those agreements? You know, you got to walk the walk, not talk the talk. So right. that's the thing with this non-politician. He talks, he walks the walk versus talk the talk. A lot of people are posturing like, I'm part of the ch- climate change, Paris climate agreement. All good. The lead, I mean, the people in France were so distraught with this whole Paris agreement. Right. They wanted the president out because he was taxing, I think, gas, um, you know, petrol, because they will, he wanted to eradicate petrol. And the, some people, first of all, they work in that industry and they need to put gas in their car to get to work. And the fact that they are, he's put such a, amaze, a, a, a significant um, tax hike on, on petrol, on, on gasoline, makes it hard for people to, you know, to travel, to right. put gas in their cars. So these people are like, I'm for climate, you know, uh, changing climate. But you can't just get rid of petrol before, you know, you can smooth out the the details for the population you can't just say because you know but you know you know these countries are not dictatorships you know you want a dictatorship you want somebody who's going to be like this is what i'm going to do and i don't care what the people say but there are countries like that i think you should go there but for people who live in a democracy in a republic i think there should the 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 majority of the people everybody should be involved in the conversation so you can't just say because you think that this is the way forward that everybody should get on board or just get off board right right? or stay away but um some people now even in millennials because you have kids of that age group donna they say they're not having kids because they they don't want to burden the planet what is that you know so so those some are interesting conversations that we'll continue to have with you they are and we're at the end of our half hour and uh like i said another lively discussion on the political issues going on. I'm not going to say that we're not going to have any more, but for for now, we're going to close out this session, um, encouraging everybody to get out there and vote on the third. Uh, Your vote does count. You do have that power. And uh, let's see what happens on the third. Sandra? Yes, I'm so excited to have this, you know, this session on our uh, second um, season. As you know, we were away for a while, but we're back better and stronger. COVID or not, we're going to be here for you consistently every week. Um, So stay tuned for more exciting topics. Please reach out to us and let us know what you'd like us to discuss. My name is Sandra Dorsey. I am the founder and CEO of Sandor Capital. Until next time. Talk to you later. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.